Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. This is the second of our two CMO roundtables on creativity. We recorded both episodes at the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity in Cannes, France. Joining me for roundtable number two are, first, Jill Kramer, the Chief Marketing and Communication Officer for Accenture. And second, we had Ramon Bellotini, Global Chief Marketing Officer and President of Duracell, Inc. This is my roundtable chat about creativity with Ramon and Jill. Welcome, Jill. Welcome, Ramon, to the special edition of the CMO Podcast here at the Cannes International Festival of Creativity. We're at the end of the week. We're recording at the, at the end of the week. You've been here the bulk of the week. Could you just share one experience or person or event or presentation you went to this week that made an impact on you, that made you think, that made an impression on you? Jill, should we start with you? Yeah, I loved being in the jury room. I So you were on a jury? I was on a jury. The and first ever um, B2B Creative Lions which is a fantastic but also weighty thing. Like we felt a responsibility to start start this off well and right. And I really loved watching people advocate for other people's work. I loved mm-hmm. the passion. I loved, we all had moments, then we'd convince each other. And then they'd be like, wow, Jill really swayed me on that. And then I'd be like, but I changed my mind. <laughs> so it was, it was passionate. It was emotional. It was intense. Um, but what was great about it was that everybody cared about the work, not their work, but the work and what it meant for the category, what it meant for, you know, business advertising. So it was, uh, and business creativity. So it was, it was really amazing. And the people I met there, I feel just so connected to, which was a great way to start the week. And for our listeners, this is an award show, can right? And there's a jury of peers who judge work in various categories. And you were in the B2B category first year, which is so good. It was great. It was great. I was very proud, very proud to be a part of it. That's super. Ramon, how about yourself? Sure, a couple. The, the first one was Nike. And what I'll share from theirs is pretty much the theme, which was we believe there's no finish line. And, and I just love that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, with an old boss of mine, we used to talk that in business, you've never really won. You know, it just keeps going. And if you think around on a timeless brand like Nike that has been able to keep themselves relevant and reinvent themselves over and over again, I just felt really excited. So they had a presentation that said there's no finish line for them or for the consumer or both? For them, for both. For both. For both. Because they're passionate about athletes, you know, doing things that have never been done. 
put themselves off brand builders, really seeing as their brand, as their work, as there's no finish line. We're in here for the long haul. So that was one that I absolutely love. And I think the other one that I that spoke to me was McDonald's. So if you think about McDonald's, again, iconic brand, and they're trying to become even more relevant. And they had a phenomenal insight on, you know, no matter how famous you are, you have a McDonald's order, you know? And I think no matter if you're yeah. Warren Buffett or Travis Scott or, you know, John next to you, everyone has a McDonald's order. And I just loved how they executed that campaign because it was really from fans to fans and with the brand at the core of it. So I, those two brands, I, I thought are doing fantastic work. Do you have a McDonald's order? I do. What is it? Chicken nuggets, barbecue sauce, and a Coke. <laughs> Jill? Well, I've got to tell you, my son's uh, okay. McDonald's order is two cheeseburgers, a 10-piece chicken McNugget, large fry, and a chocolate shake. The reason I tell you that <laughs> is Was he like 14? No, he's 23 and, oh. and like like a no, no meat on his bones, as my mom would say. And um, I always end up eating a little bit of all of that because he never finishes Love anything. That. So his order is my order. Only 2,000 calories. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would like you now to describe a time in your life when you felt creativity was really on fire for you and your team. We're here at the Creativity Festival. We're inspired by all the people we meet and the work we see with the goal of going back and being more creative ourselves right in our work. So I'd like you to think about in your career, what was a time that it just was really clicking? Describe that. Ramon, why don't we start with you? Well, that's a great question, Jim. So I go back to when Duracell was being sold. Okay, so we were somewhat fearful because we go from P&G where the brand building is at the core and we're going to Berkshire Hathaway, which obviously is very focused on, on the money side. And at the team, we were very concerned. Like, what's going to happen? Are they going to start squeezing all the profits out? Are we going to start lowering our marketing spend? And the moment we transitioned, the first thing they said was, guys, you need to grow your competitive advantage. And the main competitive advantage of Duracell is the brand. We need to make sure that we're driving creativity, we're driving the brands to make sure that we're increasing the competitive advantage for the long term. And know that we're not managing for the quarter, we're not managing for the year, we're managing for the decade. And that for me was super enabling because then as a leader of the marketing organization in the US at that time, we went through a pitch process and brought in our current partners, Wyden, who have been amazing. And imagine, again, an environment where we're saying, hey, the brand's at the core. We want to do the right thing for the brand long term. How can we make sure that we're driving relevance with the consumers of tomorrow? And that just exploded, you know, the, the energy, I would say, of the whole team, of the agency. And we went from really going and executing, a, and I would call it the bazooka approach for marketing, where you had like one big campaign and you had then all the money behind it to really trying to win deeply with the consumers that matter most, be it new parents or gamers or people who suffer from hearing loss or people who are into the outdoors and the DIY. So I think that was a, a phenomenal, I would say, setting the stage for, for great creativity, great passion, and a lot of hunger. For the brand. Say a bit more about what conditions were present then when that was going on. Was it because you had a transition, because you had a new team, because there was sort of a, a confidence in your new leadership that they wanted you to do what you do really well? I go to two things. One, there was trust. Okay. So Berkshire Hathaway didn't come and say, hey, Ramon, we're going to oversee you and, and see what you're doing. We're, 
you're going to be held accountable. Don't, don't, you know, that, that you can't make that mistake. You're going to be held accountable, but you own this. This is you, and we trust you. Know it's important. So I think the first thing is a, is an environment of trust. I think the second one is alignment on timeframes. And that doesn't mean we weren't trying to sell batteries. Of course, we were trying to sell batteries that year, but it means always having pretty much a, a sense of we need to build a business for the long term. So then when you bring a creative partner that obviously is coming in new, they're like, so we can test things. We can do things that haven't been done. Do we need to do testing for everything? No, let's go out and learn by doing. And I think then when you accompany that with high ambition on saying, hey, we have an iconic brand here and we want to make sure we foster it, but we can't live in the past. We need to paint the future and you guys are going to be the ones who are going to do that with us. It just exploded. And I think at the, early, at the early stages of of our relationship with Wyden, Duracell was a brand people wanted to work for in the building. And that's mm. when you know you're doing something right. So that's a that's a time frame that you know both our agency partners and myself always go back to. It's like, how can you be the brand inside the building that everyone wants to work for? That's when you know you have something going for you. That's good. That's good. Jill, you have a career path that took you into advertising and now you're in the big job at Accenture. So reflect on your career of a time when you felt you and your team were on fire. So it's funny, I was listening, which was beautiful storytelling, by the way, I felt like I was going through that with you. Um, and it really clicked with me when I was running brand at Accenture prior to having the, the job I have now, we were working on articulating our purpose and relaunching our brand. Um, our, we had a new CEO, Droga5 was just coming on as our agency, official agency of record. Mm -hmm. And we were doing all of this work and it was a really collaborative time um, where we were, were with the leadership team. I can't describe how in it everybody was. And you might think as like a like leading marketing, like, oh, that sounds almost miserable. Like you've got all these leaders around the table telling you what's right. But it wasn't. It was just this wonderful, collaborative moment, incredible trust placed in the team from Droga5 who was leading us. And it was a wonderful process. Right before the pandemic, we landed on our purpose, which is to deliver on the promise of technology and human ingenuity. Little did we know that literally days later, that was going to be put to the test, but also illustrated and exhibited in ways that you could, couldn't even fathom. And that led to a moment when everyone, every company was in distress. And it was a little bit different for us because we were um, a company that was used to having remote teams, right? So there was people who worked on site, but we've always had to collaborate across boundaries. And the team put together a site called More Together Now, literally overnight. But it was beautiful use of technology. Everybody in the company came together to do the work. And our people from around the world, they wrote a song called More Together Now. And they performed it. They had crying babies in there. Uh, they were like, you know, banging to toilet paper rolls together. Um, there were coffee pots percolating. It was all these beautiful humans from everywhere around Accenture and therefore everywhere around the world. They wrote this song. They performed this song. And the first time I saw it, there's no way you could watch it and not have your eyes fill up with tears. And recently we had, we all came back together again at a leadership meeting that we hadn't done in three, maybe close to four years and our CEO asked me to put together like a retrospective of everything that had happened. And the team centered it all around that 
music video. And again, there wasn't a dry eye because it was just a moment. And I never would have thought in my career that I'd be telling you that an internal video and an internal communications kind of campaign or moment was something that was a surge of creativity, but it was who we were on display and, um, and creativity that just really came from, from our DNA. And it was a, it was a great moment. That's such a great story. Tell us a bit more about what was going on. What were the conditions for that to happen? Why was it so resonant? Why is it so memorable for you and for everyone else who was part of it? I love that question because there's there's a real reason it happened. The work of doing our purpose, we put our purpose in the hands of our people immediately to become salient, to become real. And we are, you know, we know technology a little bit at Accenture and we created this really cool interface where everyone could take the greater greater than sign, which is a core part of our logo, and they could do their own mix of humanity, uh, uh, technology and human ingenuity in there. And and everybody made these beautiful greater thans, and then they put it out in the world. And it was everywhere for a moment, like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing it. So when this happened, such Very a short time like, after, yeah, right? Um, there was, why wouldn't we put this idea back in our people's hands again? And it has become a passion of mine that I never would have thought I had this idea of internal engagement at large companies of your people, especially when your people are your brand. And they are in so many businesses. In ours, it is their brains, their talents, their experience, their expertise that makes us who we are. And they're a creative and talented bunch. So you've got, if you have a strong brand, a strong core ethos, and um, it allows you to let people be creators of your brand within the walls of your business. And it is fun and it's inspiring. And, um, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. I want to stay there. You talked about you know this ethos. You're talking about culture, right? So we're, we all come to Cannes. You're leaders of big organizations, both of you. I think so many of the senior marketing brand leaders who come here are looking for ideas and inspiration to build their culture even better in the area of creativity and accountability and commitment and engagement. So I'd like you to both talk on, in your experience, what have you learned about from bosses, mentors, yourself, about building a culture of creativity, a culture of experimentation, a culture of results, not easy. So I'd like you're here at the Festival of Creativity. Share with us your lessons, your learning and building that kind of culture. What I would say is the foundation of driving that is setting the bar high. Mm. You know, and if standards. you think standards have to be high and as a leader, you own that. OK, and I think what you approve and what you don't approve says a lot and sets the tone for your team. So I think that's something that I learned very early, you know, when good is not good enough. You're trying to do outstanding. You have to benchmark yourself against the best brands out there. 
And not only for the sake of being creative, but for the sake of really achieving the result that you're set out to do. And I always talk with my team is like, you know, the work, yes, it has to be focused on people, on insights, it has to be beautiful, it has to be creative, but the work has to do the work, hmm. you know? And I think sometimes we forget and we get lost in the craft. So the first one is setting the bar really high. And I would say the second one is making sure that everyone has at the forefront the outcome that you're going after. Because at the end of the day, we're marketers. We're trying yep. to shift behaviors of consumers. And if you're not doing that, and if people don't know that, I think that's difficult. So the moment that they know you're gonna, you want to do great, the moment they understand that, they can actually measure that. And here's the outcome that we're going after. It creates a really great cycle. And I think that's something that I try to foster in my team, try to create a safe zone, because I, I love people who take a swing. I love that. I love people who are coming in with ideas. And I might say no to a few of them, but those people are the ones who are really going to transform the brand for years to come. I love it. I love what you said. And, you know, we don't share enough when we talk to our partners in creativity, whether it's inside or outside the company, you know, what your business problem is or your business opportunity or what's success. Share the numbers, share the struggle, share why you haven't cracked it before. That's creativity, figuring out how to solve problems in a new way. And creative people are really good at that, but they need to know what you'd like this to do, what your real goal is. To add on that, that recently I was with all my agencies that I brought them together. And I just went through, here's what we're going after. Here's the outcome that we want. You know, And I always say, we don't want to win 2022. We don't want to win 2023. We want to make Duracell relevant for decades to come. That's a tall order, right? And here's how the business is doing. And here's all the issues that we're having with specific consumers that we really need to shift behaviors. And I don't think I have seen a more engaged meeting when you show this and you bring your agencies in and you say, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's happening. Here's a consumer group that we're actually losing consideration. Here's the shift that we need to make on their behavior. And all of a sudden, things start clicking. And I think we don't do enough of that really, where, where you treat your agencies and your partners really as business partners because they're there to bring creative solutions to drive a specific outcome that you need. So I'm very big into that. And, and I, I think the agencies that I work for are also, which is why they're fantastic. Jill, your company is so interesting. I, I don't have the numbers on this. I'm not inside your company, but I would imagine you've had an interesting creative journey and the, the, the kinds of companies you have brought into your company, your aspiration as a company to be a real driver in the creative industry. So I, I, I think the journey that your culture has been on must be fascinating. So what have you learned about building a culture of creativity and innovation and results? Well, I love everything you just said and I would just build two points on that. Number one is you also have to bring your marketers closer to the mm -hmm. business. And, and I think it depends, mm -hmm. but we're a large company. We have a large marketing organization and you can very quickly become dispersed and you recognize that people know what they're doing, but not necessarily why they're doing it. And there's not enough time for knowledge to cascade from some epicenter. You have to democratize that access to the business and the why you have to continue to fuel um, a passion to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and then the other part that I've really learned, you know, just over a year in this role, volume kills creativity. There can so quickly be so many projects going on. And a lot of times there's not a way to see them all. 
and you'll see something come across. And to your point about setting the bar high, well, you can't set the bar high if you have no idea the work is going on. So that ability to, in my opinion, say that every little thing we do is worth it. It should be seen. It should be on the radar screen. It's not just flying in from the left or the right or the first time you see it is on your company's social feed. You know, you really have to understand the work that's going on. And technology will let us do that. But it takes a marketing leader who's going to say every bit, every single project we do matters. And I don't care if it's the tiniest or the biggest. We're not all just doing the big, you know, next campaign or brand execution because your brand is built by the other 2,000 jobs going on at the same moment. So that rebalancing of looking at all of the work so that there can be a why to all of it and the bar can be high for all of it. But you don't want it to all of a sudden become a tidal wave of sameness that you didn't even realize was happening. Do you think creativity can be learned? Can it be taught? Are some people creative and some just not? Or can, can we create the right conditions that people can actually get better at creativity? What's your experience in that? I'm an eternal optimist, but I would say yes. I think sometimes people think they're not creative because they think creative is something else. And um, they see other people as creative or there's this persona that, oh, a creative must be like that. And it's a really good thing to nurture and point out every time they come up with a creative you know, solution to a problem or a creative way to look at something, to look at the data, to consider the work that you may or may not do and recognize that not all creativity takes the same form. And if you do your job early, you're, you're more creative earlier in the process than the, the talent, the actual, uh, you know, labeled creative talent at the end of the day will do better with it. But I think there's maybe not learned, but definitely nurtured. Ramon? Well, I feel blessed to have started my career in PNG. And so if I, if I think about a company who has been able to teach thousands and thousands of employees for years, really on brand management and driving creativity as a core business driver, I look back to my experience there and, and I do think it's nurtured, but I do think you can teach. I do think you can bring frameworks, you can enlighten people in terms of how you evaluate certain things and bring fundamental basics that a lot of marketers forget. And, and something I'm very passionate about is, again, brand building and marketing. The strategy sometimes is the least sexy, but you really need to understand like mm -hmm. who you're targeting. Like, What do you stand for in the minds and hearts of consumers? What's your tonality? What are the distinctive brand assets you're, you're sharing? And I think for the folks that are coming through a system that, that don't have that fundamentals, they get enamored with the tactics. So I do think that you can teach it. I, I felt it in PNG and I feel blessed by it. And, and again, hopefully I can also build a little bit of that within Duracell because we need it. Those are both great, great stories. I, I agree, Jill, that we have trouble sometimes grasping the notion of creativity and we typically go to the creative product or an ad or a, I don't know, a package, but it really is often in a novel way to create a brief mm -hmm. or to solve a problem or to, to get an insight. You know, creative thinking is curiosity. I love that you just said that. That's that's it. I could not agree more. And if we if we taught more people to be curious, I think they'd realize how creative they are. A absolutely. Give them stimuli, experiences. Yep. You know, you have to go in and listen. And, and creativity will happen when you're watching people and thinking about people and how you can help them solve problems or live their life better. 
And I'm a big believer that creativity comes from many different places. Yeah. And, and I can give you a great example from, from Duracell. They didn't say it was the following. We sell lithium coin batteries. And if you, if you follow kind of a little bit of the market or, or your household, devices are getting smaller and smaller, right? So you're using less D batteries and more of these coin batteries. A key consumer group of ours are young parents, okay? And what started to happen with the proliferation of lithium coin batteries, we had a lot of instances where kids were getting either hurt or dying because they were swallowing these coin bottom batteries. So when we brief that internally and say, hey guys, we're obsessed you know, with giving more to consumers of what matters to them, right? Be it longer lasting or more power, but we have an issue on the safety side. And what should we do to approach it? So if we had only talked that amongst us marketers, we would have gone with a campaign driving mm -hmm. awareness of the, you know, of the dangers that this could pose. But when we opened the brief to the whole organization and we bring R&D into the conversation, they're like, huh, let's see what we can do with the batteries. Because again, generating awareness is part of it, but let's go and solve it. Let's go and invest behind you know, this absolutely necessity of saving kids' lives. So they went in and they came back and they're like, hey, we found a way to add bitterant to the coin cell so that when kids try to swallow it, it's going to be so bitter that Creative. they spit it out. Creative. And there's a lot of things coming in the pipeline for that. So when you think about it, it's also taking action, you know, on something that, that is very prevalent in the category. And that makes us very different. So creativity comes from solving a consumer unmet need, mm -hmm. but it can come from so many different places in the organization that, that I think curiosity and the willingness to really solve something is, is, I think, at the core of it. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. I'd like you to think back in your career when you developed the conviction that creativity is really important in business. And you started to learn about it and role model it and ask for it and, and work with people who could bring creative solutions to some of the challenges you had. When did you develop that conviction? Jill? I think I developed it accidentally, to be honest, because I came upon a career in advertising first quite by accident. But it was really all I knew. It was my first job out of college, a small little firm in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And when you work in a place that small, they, the creativity is everywhere and it's all hands on deck for everything. And I'm glad that that happened because I didn't have anything to counterbalance it with. And I stayed in small agencies for quite a while. I went to a large agency, back to small agencies. But the creativity was everybody's job because it couldn't happen without it. So it was very late in my career that I went into a corporate environment where that could change at all. So for me, it was, um, it was a, a learned behavior, but also because I didn't know anything else, I'm really, really glad and fortunate that that happened to me. I think where I believe in it now is not to get pulled away from that and to constantly remember. I still call one of my old bosses all the time. In fact, he was one of my first phone calls when I got this job, um, the second smallest agency that I worked at. 
and, um, and, you know, was a little nervous about saying yes to this role. And he said, no, remember this. And remember when we did that, like you could handle anything that gets thrown at you. And I think remembering that environment um, helps me never become too, too distant from, uh, from creative environments. I also am lucky that I work um, at a company that reveres it. I think it would be harder if you if you had a different uh, environment. When you think back on your advertising days, what's uh, what's a campaign or a project or an initiative that you worked on that you remember for its incredible creativity? You know, one was this is going to sound silly. It was one of my very it was my second job, and uh, I worked for an airline uh, at an agency that worked for an airline, and they were in the middle of doing a big rebranding. I mean, new livery launching new first-class service. And the people who had been on the business longer got that job. They were flying around the world. They were checking linens for the first-class service. What cookies would we serve? What would the, you know, I got stuck doing fair sale ads, but we determined that we were going to make them funny. So we were going to have personality with our, with our fair sale headlines and how we positioned, you know, from Paducah to Paris. And we really had fun. And I realized that um, sometimes it's, this goes back to my point, it's the little executions that build the brand. It took a year and a half for the big rebranding to happen. It came out. By that time, we had completely warmed up kind of an aging, stodgy brand uh, in the meantime and had a whole heck of a lot of fun doing it. Funny story, the airline then hired me to become their manager of advertising because they were like, okay, not only you've taken something we barely even paid attention to and made it some of our favorite work, but also you know our business because you understand where all where the money's coming from and where the seats are filled and whether or not. So um, so I think that's probably one that I, that I always love. Creativity helps careers too, yep, right? It sure does. Ramon, how about yourself? When did you develop the conviction? Well, I'm from Venezuela, Jim. So in, if you are not creative in Venezuela, you don't survive. Okay? As a person. Very early on. Or uh, as a business. So, and again, I started my, in Latin America. I currently also manage that business. And it's a necessity. It's a requirement. Like, you have to get creative because every month you have a different crisis. Either one that's because of the government or you have massive inflation, or the effects has gone, you know, crazy. So you are forced to really drive that creativity. And, and yeah, so it's a little bit ingrained in me, I'll say. I'd like you both to share one short piece of advice to our listeners on leading both a creative and a high-performance team. I interviewed Ted Sarandis at Netflix for our CMO Accelerator program here in Cannes, which is a class for CMOs. And I asked him the same question. You know, you're famous for your creativity and high performance. How do you manage that duality? And he, you know, he went on and on about it. They have a lot of learning on. He's very passionate about it. But for you two, what's, what's a piece of advice you would have a senior leader listening or a young leader listening about how to manage both high performance and creativity? I think they're better together. And I think that creativity should be part of a high performance metric. Um, and creativity should be held to standards of performance, as you were mentioning mm -hmm. um, earlier. I think the way you get to that with your team is spending time with people and, um, and really listening. I love just, you know, every week picking, you know, as many people as I could possibly fit in and just say, what are you doing this week? And help them recalibrate. And are they asking themselves those, those questions, what, what they're doing, when they're working on it? So I think um, not making them polls but rather, um, you know, really complimentary things. But I think the only way you know if people 
are embracing both, understanding both, because it will never show up as an outcome if people don't understand it, is by spending time with as many people across your team as you can. And in doing so, you will learn and you will become more creative and more high-performing. I love that. Yeah, I also see creativity is a key business driver, right? So they're a bit linked. And as a leader, there's something I, I studied a few years ago that has helped me. Like, how do you create an environment where there's alignment? Okay, and the five things I always look at is, okay, is the vision clear? Can everyone know what we're going after? Are the priorities clear? Can everyone, again, state them? Is the structure conducive to really making sure that the team's working against that? Do you have the right people in the right roles? And is the culture one mm. that is thriving? So I always look and, t and even somewhat grade myself on those five things in every team that I'm at because it's our responsibility to make sure you redrive alignment. And through alignment, I have seen that you get high performers because they're engaged. They know what they're going after and, and they put all their focus on making it happen. You're leaving Cannes in a day or two. You're gonna go home to your organization. What are you mm -hmm. gonna talk about when you return back to your organization after spending this immersive week in Cannes? Well, I'll start with first harnessing the power of those who were here. Okay, and as I said- So you have colleagues here with you. I have yeah. one colleague, but also all my agencies here. So as I said before, it's the one place where you're at the high. You're at the high of let's do ambitious work. Let's work together and let's just make things happen, right? So I love that there was someone who won an award yesterday who had a, a t-shirt that said, should, could, would, do. And it had the first three striked and it's do. So. The theme that I took with my agency partners is like, that's what we're going after. We're going to do and make this thing happen. So that for me is, is kind of the key theme of now let's harness this thing, make priorities and let's make big bets. And for those who weren't here, we're trying to create, like what are the things that were the most interesting from Cannes? We're going to have a team uh, event very soon. And we're going to try to mimic a little bit of this, bring a lot of external speakers so we can focus the organization out and give them a little bit of sense I love of, of what's happening here. Because I, I kind of want to take can to mm -hmm. the organization because yeah. they couldn't be here. And I think sometimes things get lost in translation, in a one pager, in an email. So I, I really want to make sure they experience it through our partners, which they can deliver a lot of the content that we saw here. So that's what I have in that's my to-do list. Jill, you're going to do that? <laughs> I want to bring the judging criteria home. Oh, good. I, I want to go through that because um, we paid attention to every single part of it, the, creative, the strategy, the creative idea, the execution, and the results. And so I was, it was an eye-opening moment for me that can the height of creativity, you think, and you see this moving, amazing creative work, but it met all of those criteria. So I think if everybody could realize, you know, this is not just um, some crazy once-in-a-lifetime high-end things that happen. There's a lot of work that really adhere adhere to these principles. And then my second thing is the brilliant people. Like I'm listening to you. Like mm -hmm. I love that. I'm totally – I love I love everything you're just saying. The brilliant people that you meet and how important it is to continue to reach out, meet new people, um, hear what they have to say, and be inspired by them. How do you both cultivate your creative self, keep yourself – creative and fresh and evolving. I would say number one trait is curiosity, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to be externally focused. And for me, the last two years were tough, right? Because you can't go out. So you have to even force it even more, right? Because the environment is not conducive of being exposed to external. So I think it's fostering that curiosity and learning 
For me, it's time, uh, giving myself the gift of time here and there, whether it's, you know, morning runs or workouts or um, time that you spend away. Like the list I have <laughs> from this week of things that I wouldn't have thought of if I was mm. back in New York in my office. I would have thought of other things there, but changing your time, changing your place, changing who you're talking to, um, but giving things a little bit of time to percolate and uh, then quickly writing them down and making sure you could do something with it. Ramon, you've been coming to Cannes for many years. You were a student actually at the Young Markers Academy in Cannes, which is a program that's run here every year for young people who are high development. And then you came back for the CMO Accelerator program, which is a two-day program for CMOs to make sense of CAN and go home with some new inspiration and new ideas. Could you speak a little bit about the role of CAN in your development as a leader and how that's helped you be the kind of leader you are today? For sure. I, I came here 2014, and I think, you know, when still P&G didn't bring many of you're young PhD, people. You're at PNG at the time. PNG at the yeah. time, yes. And they sent four young marketers, you know, as a gift slash, you know, prize for something that I forget now. <laughs> but I'm very grateful. And I came here and I think that's where I opened my eyes. You know, I, I, I used to have this boss that said, again, compare yourself with the best in the industry. And you don't really know what that is until you breathe it and live it. So when I came here, it just ignited a fire in me that just never stopped. And I say that truthfully. So I, I say thank you to you and for the program because it did do that. And, and I, I, it's a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of setting the bar on who are you comparing yourself, like what's out there and how can you get more creative? And then it's that feeling that you want to keep coming to, which is let me go out and see what other great work is being done because there's so much out there. So I would say that's the thing. It ignited my external focus, my setting the bar and and my passion for learning what the best brands in the world are doing. So I, I love that. That's a good place to end. Jill, Ramon, you've been amazing, inspiring. You're going back with lots of energy. Your teams are going to be very happy, really, because you're bringing back some new ideas and new energy. That's why we're here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That was my discussion with Ramon and Jill. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, tips on how to build a culture of creativity. It's really, according to these two, and I agree, it's about expectations from your management. It's about trust. It's about ambition for your brand or your business. And it's about building a team with shared goals and trust and fun. Second takeaway, sharing with your team when you have an experience such as can both of these leaders are returning to their teams and they want to recreate the experience in can so they have a shared experience and they can take the inspiration the ideas the stories from can and bring them to life back home so they can reset their ambition and be better marketers third takeaway when i ask these two leaders about how they cultivate their creative self both went to the space of curiosity exposing yourself to new ideas, new people, to get out and about, to be externally focused, to get lots of different stimulation from lots of different people and experiences. That's how we keep curious. That's how we keep creative. Good tips for all of us. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, Leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 
The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.